The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter. That's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me as always is BOC. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Tuesday, January 24th. And um, your Friars get a one-on-one week week, uh, in the Big East. Saturday, finally return home after that two-game Midwest road trip that saw them lose to at Creighton and then at Marquette. But they get off the schneid with a 75-64 victory. Over to Paul. BLC, what, what were your thoughts? Good teams win, great teams cover. They got um, a good cover. Special cover. <laughs> yeah, they uh, – it was a tough win. DePaul actually played really well, particularly in the second half. It was a back and forth, and DePaul was right – Like they beat Xavier for a reason. Like, they're not a bad team. It's just – they have some inexperience. They're, they um, play through the whistle, use a football term. Um, and they they tried to make this game a physical game and a, like I always talk about a backyard brawl and how back alley brawl will say and how Providence loves that type of game. That's not the team to do that to because Providence just upped its level. They have physical players in Croswell, Hopkins, Carter. The whole team is physical. Um, so that obviously was not a great strategy for DePaul. We've we've gone you know a minute or two minutes without mentioning Noah Locke. He, in the biggest, and when we've needed him the most, he stepped up. Think about the Connecticut game where he was pretty, he was pretty good. Nothing compared to the DePaul game where it seemed like the whole second half, Cooley was running sets for him, almost like eerily similar to when, when, when Reeves would have his hot games, it was similar to that where he was just running sets for him and just burying shots. That's a Noah Locke we've all hoped to find. He's been inconsistent, but this should show you why you got to stick with him because when he's hot, he is a 20-plus point scorer. So, great win. Stay on track for hoping to, you know, be, be in the running uh, at the end of the season for a Big East, uh, Big East title and uh, going back-to-back. So, I'm happy about the win. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely get to lock in a second here. But I want to tell you, going into this game, going into the game, when I wrote the preview, I, I said they went by nine. Um, and that was before the line was at 13 and dropped to nine. I think I got it at nine and a half. But, um, but going into the game, I was feeling good. But then day of the game, BOC, everything that could have gone wrong for me uh, in my route to the game 
did. Um, and it started to make me feel a little nervous about the game. So I wake up, I have to do something for work. Um, should have been a quick thing. Ends up taking two hours. So I'm like, yeah. oh, crap. Put me behind eight ball. Uh, I get ready for the game. You know, I hear there's going to be a blackout in the student section. Yes, I don't go to Providence College as a student anymore. Uh, I'm like 10 plus years removed. But I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll wear the, the black fire jersey. Why not? So I grab it. You know, I toss it on the couch by my coat. Um, there's a dish in my room. I was like, oh, I'll put this away before I leave. Drop the dish. It breaks. So I have to clean that up. I'm like, oh, crap. This is, this not, is a good, not a good omen. No, no. And then I'm like, where the heck is this jersey? I just had it. Like, where is it? I'm looking everywhere. Put my coat on, you know, looking all around the house. Still can't find it. I'm like, all right, if I can't find this thing in two minutes, I'm just going to hit the road. This is ridiculous. Can't find it. I'm like, oh, jeez. So get in the car. Oh, head down to the dunk. Um, I get on the wrong direction on the highway to start because I'm, I'm used to it from work. It was just like a, just, you know, mind-numbly dumb, just pulled into the uh, the wrong on-ramp. So, yeah, it was just a cavalcade of errors by the crier leading up to this game. And I was pretty nervous about it. So we're at the game. Just fast forward a little bit. You know, my coat's off. I'm just wearing the shirt I had, uh, not the jersey. I turn around to go to the bathroom, and the jersey's sitting on the floor of the amp. <laughs> I think it was in my coat and I put my coat on without realizing the jersey was in the coat. Unbelievable. But once I saw that, I was like, okay, they're, they're going to win this game. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I thought the Paul, it was a funny, it was a weird first half. Friars come out guns blazing. Like, this is what you want to see out of this group. And then it felt like the whole entire middle of the half was just very, just odd. And then they turned it up at the end of the, end of the first half, and that was pretty much the half. That's how they built the seven-point lead. Well, the, the, we were up like 14-4, 14-5, something like that. And then Cooley put in like a super wonky lineup, some one that didn't make any sense. Like it, I know it's crazy to say because it was like 30 – there were 35 minutes remaining. They had a chance to step on the throat and end the game like 10 minutes in. And Cooley put in this lineup that was – I forget exactly who was in, but it was – it was like Floyd, Pierre, Moore, Breed, and then maybe Hopkins or something. And you're like, it just wasn't a good lineup. And sure enough, DePaul clawed right back because of that. So we talked about that a lot, how Cooley can sometimes get a little cute with his lineups when he has a lead. And we'd rather them just throttle down. But um, yeah, very, very peculiar first half. And then the second half was great. Yeah. And, you know, you got to talk about Locke because – he finishes with a game-high 29 points, BOC, on 11 of 17 from the floor, 7 of 12 from three. Um, he's doing a little bit of everything with the offense. Yes, you know, predicated on the seven threes he hit, mm-hmm. but also that little kind of dribble into the lane, up fake little float uh, floater or like mid-range jumper, just hitting those. Really uh, quick, really quick, um, we bag on Donnie Marshall, and I think a lot of times it's warranted. He said something that was really astute during the uh, broadcast, which just shows how great of a player he is. When Locke is driving and he shoots a mid-range jumper, he does a fantastic job of squaring up his body to the rim. Like, he's never off balance. He's always square to the rim. And I thought that was a really good observation because it's not something I've particularly noticed until he called it out. And then when you hear him say that, 
it rings true. Like he's always squares himself up to the hoop and he never really seems too off kilter. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, that stuff helps, especially when you're, you know, known for your three point shooting, you get a guy in the air can kind of drive in and settle for that, that two pointer. Um, and on top of that, it seemed like him and, and uh, Carter were, were just making NBA type threes. You know, they go up thick, guy goes flying that by a little step to the side, shoot it, goes in. Oh, man, like no luck lit it up in this game. Uh, and then let's not try and overshadow Bryce Hopkins. Another double-double for him, 20 and 11, making it look easy, 7 of 13 from the floor. Imagine, but imagine at the start of the season, if Hopkins went for 20 and 11, we would be going nuts right now. But the fact that it's just like we shrug our shoulders and like, okay, that's expected is a testament to how great he's playing. Yeah. It's what it, we expect those things. So having somebody go for a double double 20 and 11 or 2010, whatever it was, and we just say, oh, okay, it's, it just shows he's a very special player. He's already locked up first team all Big East, no questions asked. Um, we wrote an article to recap how he's in the running with maybe two or three others in the Big East for Big East Player of the Year. I'd have to think he's at worst second or third place. But to, I think if you'd ask all Biggie's coaches, they'd probably put him in first or second. Yeah. I mean, like, is he going to be in the running for most improved because he wasn't there last year? No, I don't, I don't think so. Is, is that not how it works? Because <laughs> he could win that, he would win that one easily. Yeah. Um, but although, could he be up for newcomer of the year, though? I think. Or, or oh, do for we, sure. He'll be. Only do a freshman effort. No, I don't even think they do newcomer. I think they do. Uh... Strictly freshman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so he had another solid, really good game. Um, Carter only finished with 10 points. Um, he went two of two of six from three, three of 10 from the floor. But I got to point out his defense because Cooley plopped him on Javon Johnson, who's averaging like 16 and a half points per game. Um, ate him alive. <laughs> Johnson scored seven points um, for the Demons in this one on three of nine from the floor. All those seven points were when Carter was not on him, I noticed. Um, so he did a really good job of just, you know, cutting the head off the snake of DePaul, if you will, by just taking their wing score right out of the game. So Devin, really quick, because this is really interesting. Devin Carter is 10th in the Big East and blocks a game. But if you take away the forwards and centers, he's number one overall. I would imagine. <laughs> but like 10th tenth, tenth overall is still incredible as it is, given that he's, what, all 6'4". And then also yep. he's fourth in the Big East and steals per game. So, again, he's got to be in the front running for a defensive player of the year. We thought I, – I thought Manaya got boned last year. Um, Kalkbrenner is a good choice, but I thought he got screwed last year. I'm hoping Carter gets the redemption tour for the South Carolina boys and gets it. Yeah, me too. Um, especially when you consider that Cockburner's been good, but not as good as it was last year, especially on the defensive end. If you look at his block shot numbers, they're, they're down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, useful player to have. And not only that, you know, this game wasn't really indicative of it, but we've seen him be able to score at will uh, as well. So, yeah. When I said he was a mix of, of Manaya and Durham, I think he might be even exceeding those expectations. If he, I mean, not that he, not that we've heard anything otherwise, but when he comes back next year, I think he's got to be in the running for potential Big East Player of the Year as well. For sure. 
Like, I, um, I don't think that's, I don't think that's an exaggeration. He could be a focal point on offense if you want it to be. He just, we have Hopkins, we have Croswell, you know? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Croswell, he goes for eight and nine in this one, uh, three of nine um, from the floor, which is kind of unusual for him. Um, but I mean, I think the big story when you talk about Crosswell in this game is when he got tangled up with, with your and a, uh, that was some wild stuff. That was weird. Like, and I just like jumped on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a savvy move by Crosswell. I'll say that as much. Okay. As- so what happened? BLC? I just saw, I just saw, uh, and I just like on top of Crosswell. I'm just like, All right. So the, be- the best way I can describe it is, you know, when a, um, Okay, per, per you know Chris Paul when he does that stupid move where he's dribbling in transition and he just completely slows down, mm. or you can even say Harden does it too, and he just completely slows down and then the player just tumbles over the top of him. Right, Croswell did that. Just did that, getting back on on offense. Yeah, so he ran back and then he saw Anai and he purposely slowed down. And so, by the way, Anai Anai was a punk and he was like asking for it. Like at the end of half, like they, I don't know, you probably can talk to it, but. At half, they like were drawn back and forth, and they had to be separated. It was you could tell it was going to bubble over, um, and sure enough, it happened in the second half. But again, to our point, I wouldn't want to get too physical with Providence. That's like their sweet spot. If you're going to beat them, it's going to be like the Marquette Crane style, where it's just finesse and just bombing away. Yeah, and then also you want to talk physical. Uh, Dave Nelson in this one, he was solid, thirteen points. Six of nine from the floor, but he's another guy that likes to get his nose into things. Yeah, he was flying all around. Well, uh, they're starting. To, they're starting to take the um, the personality of Stubblefield. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be a a, a, a testy, formidable squad for uh, next couple of years. Yeah, I was DMing the um, one of the DePaul uh, Twitter guys, and um, we we're just talking about it, and like. Um, I'm laughing. Yeah. I'm laughing laugh- because I didn't know they existed. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, Blue Demon Degenerate. Look oh up. yeah, that yeah, that guy. Yeah, That's the stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, so we were chatting after the game. I was like, "Listen, you guys got plenty." Of- like, I didn't want to sound patronizing because yeah. uh, I've been on that side of it too, right? Yeah. With uh, like, I'll never forget when we played Providence or we played Kentucky in Barclays, yeah. and this old. Uh, older woman approached me and my buddy after the game as we were walking out and she was like, oh, you guys gave such good effort. Like, that yeah. Cotton guy he's quite the little player. And I was like, oh, screw, you. screw you. Yeah. So I didn't want to sound like that to him, but like I was just like, listen, like, you guys got talent. I, I just think like they got to clean up some of the discipline stuff. Like, Locke is our one pure shooter. And like, I don't want to take anything away from Locke's game because he had a money game, but like they left him wide open for the majority of that game. Yeah. So they just got to clean that stuff up. I mean, they have talent for sure. Right? Like you said uh, earlier, you know, it's not a fluke that they beat Xavier. You know, they're a competitive group. I, unfortunately, I think 10 of the 11 teams uh, in the Big East are, are teams that could definitely beat anyone. Even yeah. Anyone. yeah. Um, but I mean, Georgetown should win eventually, right? They're playing the ball, I think, this week. Maybe that's their win. Honestly, I just it'll be we'll be having like a we'll we'll repeat, but we'll lose to Georgetown. That'll be what happens. I, I know. I, I've been fearing it for a while now. Um, I think I bet on Georgetown a few weeks ago. Be like, please, please, like just get a win now. It was it was, it was against someone bad. I forget who it was, but 
But yeah, I don't, I fear, I shouldn't fear this, but I fear like facing a team that's Owen, like 12 in conference, oh, uh, yeah. horrific season. Of like, course, I'm just that's, but, that's normal. I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, any other comments about, about this, this dub on Saturday for the Friars? Um, definitely miss Bynum, especially in the first yes. half. Uh, I wanted to get to that for sure. Pierre, Pierre and Breed are doing an adequate job. I don't think, you know. Again, well, here's the deal. They're yeah, doing yeah. an adequate job, but Pierre's, or excuse me, Breed's playing out of position, and Pierre's a freshman. So, like, you know, you kind of kind of got to live with, with the lumps, you know. Again, I, I give Breed a lot of credit. I, I thought he's kind of handled this pretty well. Um, you know, it's not like he's having monster games, but always brings it with the defense. Yep. Um, I think he, you know, he, he can grab some boards for you as well. Um, you know, he only has one assist in this game, and I felt a few times in tra- transition he missed some guys wide open. Uh, one to Devin Carter came to mind. But, listen, again, he's playing out of position. Um, so it's hard to fault him. And then, again, Pierre is just young. He doesn't get a ton of time. So it's like he wants to prove himself every time he's out there. And, you know. He did have four assists, which yeah, he had a nice, nice time to Castro, who made an appearance in this game. Yeah, Castro actually had some really solid minutes. I've been, um, I've been waiting for him to warrant, you know, show he deserves some more time, and I think he did that. Um, he's still all over the place. He's we've called him like a, a giraffe. You know, he's just all over the place, all legs and arms and limbs. He still needs probably a year or two in the weight room before he's got like a full Big East body. But he has a lot of things that we don't have in the front court. So it was good to see him get some quality burn. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think overall they're doing a really good job um, staying the course without Breed here. Yep. Or excuse me, without Bynum. Yep. And by the way, I thought Bynum was playing because I get there and like the Jumbotron is literally showing him talking to the guys in, in with his warmups on. Yeah. So I tweeted out, like, I was like, oh, Bynum's going back. Oh, actually, like, now that we talk, did you, did you hear what Cooley said post game? No. He said, which makes me think we might not have him for a while. Um, oh he said he said he hasn't shot a ball since Connecticut. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not good. No. <laughs> that, is not, that is not good, no. No, I mean, I told you. I, I think it's a – I mean, they obviously haven't announced what it is, but we know it's the ribs. I, it's got to be a oblique muscle because he injured it when he slipped on the court, and then yeah. he had that play with Clink in the, the next play down the floor. I mean – yeah, it, it's one of those tricky injuries. Like, like you've said, you know, you don't want to rush him back, and I agree with you. But, I mean, they're kind of playing with fool's gold here, getting by without a true point guard. Yeah, I mean, I think they could, they can win the next two without him. Um, and they've done what? Are, where are they without him? I guess four and two, if you consider the UConn game. I no, I think they're. I think they're so. He, this was his fourth game miss. I think so. so. They Connecticut win, St. John's win, two lot three and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're going to count the Connecticut game, which you probably should because yeah. it gets hurt early in that one, uh, and you pretty much had to survive with with Breed and Lock, which I didn't think they could do, but they did, which was awesome. Um, maybe because that team in stores doesn't have a point guard either. Um, but but yeah, um, definitely missing. Bynum, and once he's back, you know, this team can – Cooley's talked about this team, you know, can, can still get better 
And I believe that, especially when you get Bynum back. So Yeah, I agree. Wait and see, I guess. But yeah. um all right, so let's move on from DePaul here. Friars end up opening um the the AP poll this week, coming in at number twenty-three. Right? I get that right? Yeah, uh, twenty-three. So not a huge drop. I had a friend, a friend of mine who's not a Providence fan was like, oh, Providence going to be out, out of the top 25 after the Marquette loss. I was like, um, they take care of business against the Paul. I mean, I don't see them necessarily dropping out because, you know, you look at Marquette, you look at their metrics. Um, you know, you know, we're not big metric guys, but I mean, people follow it. So you got to pay attention to it. Uh, Marquette's high in net in, in Ken Palm. So like you lose them on the road. I don't think it's a, um, you know, it's a, Big loss by any means. Um, so Friars maintained their, their ranking this week. Um, they got Butler at home Wednesday, 830 uh, on the FS1. Um, we'll preview that one. But then they also have Villanova on Sunday at Villanova. And we'll get to that in a future pod this week, I think. I only gave you one last week. We'll give you two this week. Um, yeah. But um, all right, so you got you got some flack for not having uh, one out before the DePaul game, didn't you? Or didn't we? I should say. Yeah, we did. We did. But uh, it's okay. The good news is I did run into that. That that means that that means people expect a lot from us, and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I did see someone on the way into the amp um, that that's a follower of the crier and he hadn't listened to the previous one yet. So he listened to that one on the way down. So it kind of worked out for me. So there we go. Um, but all right. Friars got Butler, um, you know, second meeting province went to Butler, took it to him one by 20, um, early in the big East slate here. Um, dude, Butler's having a rough season to put it like, yeah, one of our one of our buddies said this, and I think you you chimed in and agreed with him that maybe uh, Thad Mata just wasn't ready for this. Is the new Big East, and the new Big East is like pretty physical and has some talent. Um, I think because it's a smaller conference and we're not a football conference, we kind of get overlooked at times. But we have a really strong conference up and down, besides maybe one team, and it's it's a growing it's a it's some growing pains for Thad Mata, and they also have had like we're going through this, but every they've really gone through it. They've had a string of bad injuries with Ali, uh, Bates. Um, there's somebody else. I mean, there were like a list of five or six players that were role players, but they still miss time. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm pretty sure that said it himself. He was like, you know, you know, come from the big 10. I thought that was physical, but this is really physical. And I kind of thought to myself, that really, yeah, the Big Ten to me is always finesse yeah. outside of a few teams, but that's fine. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, tough season. He's dealt with a lot. You know, the good thing with the portal and everything else, you can kind of rebuild these things quickly here. But as we sit now, DePaul is in sole possession of 10th place at 3-7 and seven in the league. They've lost two uh, straight here. They just came off in an absolute drubbing to UConn. UConn gets back on track with a 30-point win. Um, I, I read a stat that Butler hadn't lost by 20 at home since, like, 97 or something. And they've done that, like, four times this season. Eesh. So, and, and they've, you know, they've, they've lost by 20-plus multiple times already. 
not just at Hinkle. So do we know do we know the severity of um Manny Bates? Is he gonna be back for the Providence game? I I would guess. Like it didn't seem like it was that it was kind of like a surprise that he was sitting. Yeah. Um, at least from what I recall. Um but th- I think that was two games ago, wasn't it? Did he play? Because I know he didn't play against UConn. Um, but I think he might have missed the game before that because I didn't really watch the UConn game. Yeah, um, I didn't watch it either. Yeah, he missed the Creighton game too. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he will be out. I, I don't have any intel on it at the moment. Um, you know, it is kind of a surprise, though. You, you look at some of the players they had on that team, Seamus Lukosius, Chuck Harris, Jordan Taylor. Um, I had my rant about Jordan Taylor. He's now relegated to the bench on my team. I've been also looking at potential options uh, to replace him. But, I, you know, when you're in an 18 Big East uh, fantasy hoops league. Not a lot of options. Not a lot of options, BLC, no. as you can test. And I'm not going to give you any of my secrets at, at who I got my eye on. But, um, but yeah, you would think with the talent that they had, um, they would be better than this. Um, I, I think a lot of people going into, you know, Beast Media Day and all that was like, Butler could be a sleeper in this league. And it has not turned out that way. Yeah, I know. I agree. Um, so what do we, so it's at home. What do we, what do we think the spread's going to be? Well, there's only one way to check that with uh, real confidence, BOC. All right, so I'll, maybe I'll make a guess and see. Yes, because I was it. right. I was right the one time. Um, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Ten points. God, you know, you and Ken, man. Yeah, maybe, boys, maybe, maybe we just need to get some beers and we'll just hash everything out. We'll fix it. We'll tweak the algo and we'll just become best buds. <laughs> Apparently, because you nailed another one, BLC. <laughs> um, Providence, Ken Bomb has Providence beating Butler on Wednesday, 75-65 with 81% okay. confidence. So expect that line to be around, let's say, 9 to 11 points. Um, yeah. So... Thinking about this game, BOC, my thing is take it to Butler and take it to Murley because if you build a big lead, they've shown all season long that they just fold. Yep. That, I mean, I, I feel like that's my one, uh, you know, big key to the game. Just, you know, put it on them early. Dude, do what they did against the Do what they did against the Paul, and then don't put in four bench players. <laughs> Especially when the bench combines for like six points, I think, or, or less. I mean, dude. You got to give us some credit. We've called that from like game one. We're like, okay, I don't think this. Yeah, that was more so you. I'll give you more credit because I was like, eh, I kind of like, uh, I kind of like Cliff. I kind of like, uh, you know, what we can get from Pierre Breed. Um, but then Breed stepping into the starting role with. Byron. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's also the the injury has a waterfall effect, right? Like if Breed were coming off the bench, we'd be probably getting on average ten to fifteen points, maybe. Maybe that's fair to say. Um, but with him starting, we're not really getting anything. That's not to say that we're defending the bench and their lack of production because it is kind of pathetic. Yeah, but I mean, you, I feel like you kind of see that a lot throughout college hoops these days. Like a lot of these teams are just pretty much their starters uh, and don't get a ton of bench production. But 
I mean, I'm sure there are teams that that do, and uh, Providence would definitely be on the low side, if I would have to guess, in the country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we revisit that game against Butler, um, Hopkins, surprisingly, only had six points in that one. Which, to me, would would incite some panic if I'm a Butler fan, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't really think they have the personnel to slow him down. Um, I re- you know, if you remember in that game, they, they got um, they got Thomas back from the heart embolism, um, and he gave them some juice. He was pretty much the only guy that gave him juice in that game. Uh, gave them some energy. Yes. But like you think about, you know, him or Lukosius having a guard Hopkins, like it's not going to be a good time. Lukosius and Harris are starting to play pretty – I guess, I mean, before the UConn game, I guess they were starting to round into form a bit. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they got talent there. It's just, yeah. I I think it's just understated. When I was at Biggie's Media Day, I was like, wait, so how – no, it wasn't Biggie's Media Day. We had like a a round table. And I was like, wait, how many years has it been with with that mana out of hoops? Yeah. And there were like five. I'm like, oh, like that. I mean, that's a long time. POC. Well, the think about five years ago, there was no transfer portal. There was yeah. no NIL. It's just uh, five years ago, you were building. I mean, it was starting to trend this way, but like it was start the back to the back to the basket bigs were prevalent. Like think of Greg Oden. Greg Oden would be a amazing now. He'd still be a beast in college, but he'd be like Baycott. Like he wouldn't even be considered the number one overall pick, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely true. And then, like, yeah, you're right. He left at a time, a time right before where all the other guys, all the other, you know, um, stalwarts in coaching were like, oh, I'm thinking about getting out of here because I don't like all this. Yeah. And now he's coming back into it. So, yeah. like, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it would be interesting to see how they proceed because – you know, I, I think for me, you remember when they fired Laval Jordan? I was pretty surprised by it. I thought they kind of did him dirty. But yeah. I mean, if you're going to have a guy like that, Mata just waiting in the wings, like, I guess I don't blame them for making that move. But now it's like, oh man, like, no, but it, dude, he's not having the same success, but it's almost identical to Sean Miller. Like, he is at the same quality based off past accomplishments as Sean Miller. He just did it. Uh, a few years back before Miller. It's the same person. If you have somebody like that waiting in the wings, you you say, okay, well, let's give it a shot with a guy who made a national championship. Like he has a lot of coaching success. He was one of the best coaches in the Big Ten for a while. Like that's somebody you don't pass on. And let's give, you know, let, let's lay this out a little bit. I mean, at least Sean Miller came to a Xavier team that I think we all thought the past few years had plenty of talent, plenty of- well, we, we, thought the, we thought they kept falling apart because of, Coaching. Yeah. So, I mean, but but it's not to say that Mata ha- has received nothing. Also, I don't. I think it helps Sean Miller that his year off was spent in media. I, yeah. I do think that kind of helps because at least you're around the game, you're talking the game. Yeah. Who knows what that Mata was? I think he was fishing the whole time. Yeah. Not a bad life, but uh, not, a, not a bad life. He's probably wishing he was back fishing right now. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so well, what other thoughts do you have going into this one? Um, listen, Lukosius can go off. Harris is a great one-on-one player. 
They if the, the problem with them is their bolt their offense is predicated on making one-on-one shots and our defense is really really good at stopping that. Um so they need to get uncharacteristically hot from the floor on one-on-one play to have a chance and I just don't see that happening honestly. Maybe Bates comes back and has a big game, but again, like he didn't do much against us the first game. It's at home. I, I don't know. I, I'm just not seeing it for them. It's so strange too, because like they get the win against Villanova uh, last Friday. It'll be two weeks this upcoming Friday. Yeah. But they get that win and you're like, okay, maybe they'll start to turn around here. And then 21 point loss at home versus Creighton and a 30-point drubbing at the hands of UConn on Sunday. So things have turned south there quick. Um, yeah, there, so th- there's this account that kind of made me laugh. I think he's like a freshman at DePaul, and he posts these videos. Oh, yeah, I know. Have you I seen know. this guy? He looks like such a perfect freshman in Indiana, yeah. like freshman, just pure, loves basketball, probably hasn't touched booze yet, like just so pure. <laughs> And he just goes on rants about his team and how bad they are. Um, and this latest one gave me a chuckle because he was just like, you know, like, he's like, I, we lost by 20, 30, 40, like 100. I, I don't know how much we lost, but I stopped watching it at halftime because the game was over. And then he was like, like, I think that monitor like, was like, you know, I'm watching college hoops these last five years. And I noticed that nobody takes mid-range jumpers, so we're just going to only take mid-range jumpers. When everybody zigs, Butler's zagging, and it's not really working out that well for him. No, and then he finished it with the Whopper commercial, like right, right in the middle of his thing. I got to chuckle on that. Uh, so hopefully the Friars can just put it on, and this kid can put out another epic video. Uh, All right, so hold on. So for everybody listening, I, I'm an old man, and I don't – What's the WAP? What is the WAP or thing? Did it start on like a spaces or a Twitter spaces where you guys were trolling UConn fans or what? Well, so I mean, I know what the WAP, I know what the song is, but like, how does it fit with the Big East? I don't understand that. So, so here's the deal, BOC, because I didn't know much about this either. All I knew was a province fan was on a Fanta space. You know, I think it was after UConn's loss on the road or whatever. And he's like, you know, like this league is really tough. Like, like, you know, it's really tough to win on the road in the Big East. And he's like, and I got one more thing for UConn fans. And he starts belting out the Whopper song. Now, me personally, I didn't know this was a thing. It was a thing before he did it. So he didn't invent it. I thought this oh, okay. And I thought it was the funniest shit ever. Uh, because the Whopper jingle, like, you know, you'd be lying to say it. It has never been stuck in your head at all. Uh, it's stuck in my head for sure. But apparently it was a TikTok thing, BOC. Okay. So it wasn't like this kid invented it. It wasn't like my video was anything new either. Um, apparently, it's like when things are going bad, it just cuts to the Whopper song commercial on TV. All right. Like, for example, not to be too mean because this is a little fresh for you, but, you know, third and six, seven seconds left, pass to the guy gets stuck instantly on a uh, Niners Cowboy game. To the Whopper commercial. You get it? You get it now? Yeah, now, now I get it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so that's what that is. But, I, was uh, waiting, I was waiting for you to fit in the Cowboys loss, so thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, hey, at least you won the one that you didn't think you were going to win. Yeah, that's a problem. I started getting my hopes up. I should have just 
I should have just been depressed the entire time. Oh, man. All right. So you want to kind of circle back here uh, to the Bulldogs? Do you think we whopper them tonight or on Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. I think we whopper them by 10. I, dude, I am so out of touch. I feel so old. I'm, let's, I will whopper them by 10. How about that? Well, that's not really not a whoppering, though. I, so what's your prediction overall? So 10 points? 10 points. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, um, 70, 78, 68. All right. Um, I'll go 8170. No, 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 no. 8162. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, man, you put it on this Butler team, they're going to fold like a on me. Even though they were down by 10 to Villanova and came back and won that game. But every other game, this season, they've shown if you get them down early, that they're gonna, you know, pack up and leave. So, all right, that's the take I, I get so far. If there's no baits, they're gonna be in big trouble because Crosswell's just gonna feast. Like they're not gonna have. I mean, we played. They're gonna have, they're gonna have they, that they guy. Had no, they have no big help off the bench. So they like, have that guy Turnbull. Yeah. I mean, how are they gonna? I'm trying to think, like, how are they even going to approach us? I think a lot of teams are playing a zone. Well, they'll put, uh, they'll put Taylor at the five. Yeah. Not not Taylor, uh, whatever, whatever that Thomas. Guy Thomas, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, didn't really work out for them against UConn. Sonogo just had a field day uh, without many baits there. And I would expect the same for Crosswell, Hopkins. Like, it'll be interesting. Like, I wonder if they play Lazo because that seems to be a trend amongst teams um, that we've seen lately, especially without without Bynum. A lot of teams are throwing zone on us. Um, I if, perfect- I mean, if, Locke, if Locke's hitting for, like that, they're not going to do that anymore. Like That's why the Lockett performance was so important. Mm. Because you can't run zone against us when he's doing that. Also, I think we should have like the best zone beater like in America, um, Hopkins. Yeah. Like, I don't think we do this enough, but if we face zone, like, just get put the Hopkins high, high post. Just beat him, beat him post, yeah. Like, that's got to be your zone, you know, breaker offense. Or just no lock draining seven threes. Uh, yeah, that that will do. Um, before we wrap, you want to talk about the international man of mystery? Yes, I do. So, BOC has me on a mission uh, to write a recruiting article, which I will get out. It, it will, we'll have another content dump like we did last week. Uh, we'll get a pod uh, in a few articles. One of them um, being a recruit that visited Providence against DePaul. Um, Barry Wang goes by Barry. His real first name is like Junji, right? Junji, yeah. Junji. Um, he's a forward out of uh, NBA Global Academy. So they play in Australia, I believe. Um yeah, international man of mystery indeed, because I, I've been looking through tape and there's not a lot, a lot of stuff out there, but I'll do my best to try, try and cover uh, Barry Wang here. Um, so let me let me ask yeah. you, where does he – he's a 2024 recruit. I've watched a few tapes of his. Where does he fit with, I guess we'll say the 2024 class, because we have – it seems at first glance we already have in the 2020 – what is it, 2023 class? Uh, yeah. yeah, in the 2023 class, we already have a three and four in Santoro and Fielder. So is it just stacking talent? 
Yeah. Um, I also think, I mean, like you said, you know, they're going to need forwards going forward. Yeah. And um, Santoro probably doesn't project as like a, it's probably a more of a small forward, like big guy that can shoot threes. Yeah. You know, he kind of reminds me of that, like Brock Cunningham guy from Texas. That was like a walk-on that's just been on yeah. Texas forever. Uh, yeah, yeah, Texas yeah. forever. Uh, he kind of reminds me of uh, him, Santoro, that is. But with Wang, it seems like he does have, you know, kind of a unique skill set, can score around the rim, can shoot a little bit, right? Am I getting this wrong? Yeah, right? no, you're no, – Is you're, I watching you're, the wrong tape? No, you're you, – I mean, there's only like two tapes out there. So if you're watching one of them, you're probably, you're probably good. But like uh, I, I'm, I'm curious how we had to connect there. That's like something I, I don't know if it's through Cotton or through Henton or somebody, but um, the Australia connection, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it'd be Cotton to be honest with you. He kind of just seems like a, you know, kind of quiet guy, just doing his own thing. Um, with the Perth Wildcats, stacking up MVP, stacking up titles. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I did see a lot of people saying that. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Because no. um, it's not like we've had, like, a European or, like, a, you know, over-the-borders type recruiting strategy through through our years here with Cooley. So I think it's I think it's Cooley just realizing he has some recruiting momentum and just trying to get a couple uh, cuts at the plate and see what happens. Yeah, so where does he, like, project – does he even have a ranking? No, I think that's – he's literally – that's he, he's the Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Like, if he's going to be interchangeable at, like, the 3-4 spot, he has some ball handling capabilities he can shoot. Um, he's 6'9". Like, there was a picture of him with uh, – Who's the big man that was on the that was from Texas that was on the Nets? Jared Allen. Oh, Jared Allen. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I mean he's Jared Allen's a big boy and he you know measured up comparably to him. Um so who knows? We'll we'll, we'll probably get some more details in the next couple of days on the recruitment. May it may be one where he just pops quickly or he extends out the whole recruiting process because I'm sure this is completely like no pun intended foreign to him. Yeah, um for sure. And but he's Seems like he's produced uh, at that level. So, yeah, be interesting. I mean, if he can kind of be like Chuan um, uh, Jung Lee, remember him on Davidson? Is that one of my favorites? Yeah, similar similar position. Uh, Lee was like six seven. No, it seems dude, to be like dude, the shooting. I get it. Uh, yeah, play around the rim a little bit. Yeah, I get it. If he can be that, I'd be more than satisfied. Like, Dude, wasn't that. he like an all-conference player for Davidson? Yeah, he was not. He was nasty. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, I think he torched us too. I think you. When I say torch, I think he went for like fifteen or twenty against us. Yeah, yeah. We, we got hung drugged for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'll have an article out on him. Um, yeah, do you, you got anything else? No, man. This is a good pod. Good, good to talk some shop. Good to talk recruiting. Um, Big week ahead of us for us. If we uh, if we go two and zero, Xavier, you know it's a, it's a long season, but Xavier has Connecticut and they also have Creighton, and I think they're both. Are they both on the road, or one of them? I think they might be both on the road. Um, let me. Yeah, let's. Let, yeah, let's end here by taking a quick look at the bees this week. So, Pavel dropped Tuesday. Uh, there's no games today. We record on Monday. No games today. 
Tuesday's the big juggernaut game, DePaul at Georgetown. Uh, DePaul's three-point favorites. We need Georgetown to get a W just so we don't have that lingering over us. I know. Yeah, so Xavier's on the road against Connecticut. And then they go on the road against Creighton. Yeah, so that, that's that tough. Could, that could get interesting. I mean, yeah, like, listen, we've talked about it. It's been talked about for the past few weeks here is that none of the teams in the top five can win on a team in the top five's home floor. Um, And, you know, that that was Providence couldn't do it so far. Um, You know, and so it's interesting. So, like, you look at a team like Connecticut, who's fallen down so much, although – According to Ken Palm, they're still the sixth best team in the nation. That's cool. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. You lose five to seven. Like, oh, yeah. It's six and best the, net, team. the net has them as seventh. It's, yeah. 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 Net two. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Forget about it. Didn't happen. Um, you know, not only did no, you the best is there was somebody oh, like, they coupled it with St. John's loss at home, but yeah, it's fine. The best is there was somebody in my mentions are like, you know, you have to account for the entire season, not like the last three weeks. I'm like, yeah, but the last three weeks have been atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that was us, we're out of the top 25 instantly. If we, if, if the shoe was on our foot, we were four. When all, wait, there were two, right? Yeah. Two, lose to Xavier, drop the four, lose to us. Yeah. But the shoe was on our foot. We, we would be banished. From that. We probably wouldn't be allowed back in the rest of the season. <laughs> Yeah, we'd be sent to uh, the AAC. <laughs> but to their defense, though, here's where it becomes interesting because they've played a lot of those games on the road thus far, and they're going to get Xavier home now. They're going to get Providence home. Um, so it'll be interesting to see for sure how yeah. this thing shakes up. I, I definitely think, I definitely think all five teams are in the mix. In, this could be you- this could be a huge moving week for us. Yeah. Because, I mean, if, if Providence can go 2-0 and this week, you got Creighton at 1-1, then also we're tied. Uh, that's what Marquette does. Marquette has um, – We only have one game this week, I think. Yep, Saturday at DePaul, which has proven to be a tricky place to play, apparently. So, yeah. we'll see. But, yeah, no, I, I do think all five teams, in those five teams being Xavier, Marquette, Providence, UConn, and Creighton, all have a chance – at winning uh, the crown, even even though UConn has five in the last column, I still think, depending on how they play, of course. But they get these games back at home now; they could definitely still be in it. So, absolutely, yeah, it's gonna be we, a great race. It's gonna be awesome. Imagine we end this week at seventeen and five. That'd be nuts. That'd be awesome, dude. That that is yeah. I can't. I can't even. Even if we go one and one, sixteen and six is still incredible. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the Villanova game, uh, yeah. like we said, on, on a pod in the future, but there are rumblings. I'll just throw this out there now that Justin Moore will be returning against Providence. So that's cool. And uh, and Colin Gillespie somehow found a one-game eligibility, so he'll be suiting up as well. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine? Well, all of a sudden, Arch is starting to play better. But, again, we'll get to Nova on the next pod. We're, we're draining this thing out a little too long. Anything else, BLC? No, that's it, man. All righty. All right. Till next time, Firetown. See you later. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, eh. Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh. Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh. Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, eh.
that's what made me a savage And he see me bumpin' so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah